Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. It's great to see you at church today. Wow, wasn't it wonderful to worship Jesus together? What an extraordinary time being in the God's presence together. So good. And Verena, just thank you so much for leading us in prayer so well. Um, Friday afternoon, I was at an airport in Cyprus and I'm in a queue for coffee and I get chatting to a guy next to me and the guy next to me has just fled the region and I start a conversation with him in the coffee um, queue in Larnaca Airport in Cyprus and I asked his name and he just shared that he and his wife just had to get out. Um, He's so concerned about what was escalating in the whole region and I said, and where are you going to go? He said, we have no idea. We just got on a plane. We just landed here at the airport. I said, you don't know where you're going? He says, no, we just don't know. We just needed to leave. I said, and do you know people involved? He goes, we know loads of people involved who have been impacted by it. And just in this moment in Costa Coffee in Larnaca Airport, I was able to just lay my hand on him and say, I'm a Christian pastor. I just want to pray shalom, the peace of God over your life. And there's just this God-given moment. And you just think, wow. Suddenly felt very close to it. I see it on the news, but then when you're with someone who's fled with his wife, you feel very close, feel very near. So it's good to pray. We must keep praying for the Lord of peace. Um, I'm going to read some verses from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 23 to 31. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. These words were written in the time of King David at a time of National celebration when the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was brought back to Jerusalem. A huge moment for the nation, for the people of God, the Jewish nation. But see the global reach of these words. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Declare his glory among the nations. Not just one nation, the nations. His marvelous deeds amongst all people. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Words written a thousand years before Jesus arrived, sent to our world full of grace and truth. Written a thousand years before Jesus said to his own followers, go into 
all the world and make disciples of all nations. You see, there is this central theme that runs from the very start of the Bible through to the very end of the Bible story about God's heart and his desire for all nations, all tribes, all languages, all people groups to be gathered together, united in and around his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Last week, um, William Kay superbly kicked off our new teaching series, Go Global. Wasn't it an absolutely brilliant introduction? If you were here and you want to thank William, please just give him a round of applause. It was so helpful. William, we are so grateful for your teaching gift amongst us. I know he's here. I can't see William. There you are, William. And um, we just are praying, standing with you in Anthea in this season. We love you guys. You're a grace gift to us. William helped us to see how two key churches in the book of Acts, Jerusalem and Antioch, fulfilled this imperative, this call to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And William finished his message with this encouragement, let us be those who have a vision that looks beyond. Guys, that's what this teaching series, Go Global, is all about, to help us Recapture a vision as a local church that looks beyond just where we are, but to all that God is wanting to do in the nations of the earth. And I want to speak about God's eternal plan, God's eternal purpose that he is accomplishing through Jesus Christ on the earth, and what it means for each one of us to play our part in that eternal plan and purpose. So that's my plan today. Are you ready to get going, church? Give me a big yes. Come on. So this last week, Dominic and I have been at a conference In Cyprus, Terry and Wendy were also there as well. Um, About 250 leaders from across the New Frontiers Global Family. So if you're new to Kings or if you're just kind of finding your feet, we're part of the Global New Frontiers Family. And it was just the most humbling and remarkable few days. Such an awesome privilege to be there, just spending time with the most amazing men and women from literally all over the world. I listed just a few of the countries people were from. China, India, Mexico, Zimbabwe, Singapore, Albania, Russians and Ukrainians worshiping side by side. The Netherlands, Poland, South Africa, France, Germany, the USA, Kenya. I mean, the list of nations just went on and on and on, including some nations that I'm not even allowed to mention. Just awesome. And um, there were these most amazing times of worship. Well, I looked around the room and thought, God, look what you've done. (laughs) Wow. I mean, New Frontiers, I don't know if you know the whole story, but New Frontiers is now a family of families around the world. Multiple apostolic teams, planting churches, serving churches. And yes, New Frontiers is just a small part of the wider body of Christ around the world. But it is amazing when you're in a room from people representing 90 different nations to think, this is crazy. This all started in Sussex. I chatted to Terry and Wendy on our way home like, what must it be like for you guys, Terry and Wendy, to when this began 45, 50 years ago, our own church in a small house in Skanes Hill, and Terry started to minister to other groups like that, to think that this beginning that started in Sussex 45 years ago is now in 90 nations around the world with thousands of churches. You're thinking, well, God, what have you done? This is incredible. 
This is awesome that we get to be part of this. And just want to say again, Terry and Wendy, we honor you for what you've pioneered, for the foundations that you've laid. For your utter commitment to what God has called you to. We get to reap the benefits. Thank you so much. On Wednesday morning over breakfast, I was introduced to a young pastor from Turkey. You may remember there was recently a massive earthquake in Turkey and Syria. And I got chatting to him over breakfast and he described to the New Frontiers Church how he mobilized their church to go to the earthquake zone to set up soup kitchens and food. And he described for me things that I, I can't even bear to imagine what he saw. <laughs> Certainly I can't share it this morning, just the horror, the trauma of what he saw. But they took their church and said, we're going to go right into the zone we're going to serve people that are there. And he's telling me that it's so tough and this team suffered such trauma. But the joy of it is seeing how many people they've seen saved and added and baptized as a result of entering into the earthquake zone. And I'm just listening to him over my omelette thinking, you what? Wow. I had dinner on Thursday night with a couple who felt God called them to go to Singapore 15 years ago. Just them and their family to plant a church and as they get on the plane, they meet another couple that they knew, Christians, and between them, they planted a church, just four adults. That church, 15 years later, is now 2,000 people, and they now oversee another 12 churches in nations across Asia, and I'm listening then, wow, we're part of this. This is part of the family. Hearing from Andre from Ukraine, again, the story that I've heard before of he lived within a mile of one of the main airfields in Ukraine. And he said, my son was taking videos on his phone of the Russian attack helicopters because this was the first place that the invasion started. And saying, and so all our churches, they had many churches in Ukraine, they've just been scattered around the nations. But what an opportunity, he says, for church planting. So our people have gone, and wherever they've gone, they're planting churches. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible, incredible stories. It was just remarkable, and there's this incredible sense of family and unity and togetherness. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds amongst all peoples. Wow. In the book of Ephesians, in the New Testament, Paul says that God has an eternal purpose for all of creation. An eternal purpose, an eternal plan. Do you know that? That there is actually an eternal plan. We can see the news and think, God, what is happening? I feel that. But the Bible tells us there is an eternal plan, an eternal purpose that God is seeing through. And it says that it will be accomplished and established through Jesus Christ and through Christ's church. God's eternal purpose will be fulfilled in Christ and his church. And the eternal purpose is to bring all things, all nations, everything in creation actually into unity under the lordship of Jesus Christ. There's the eternal plan. So here's the thing. If you know and follow Jesus today, if you're a Christian, it's not that you've just got a little bit religious, added a bit of spirituality to your life, Got Jesus in the back pocket just in case of emergencies. It's not that. It's not even that you've been 
forgiven. That I mean, we have been forgiven. Praise God, he's forgiven us to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. It's wonderful. But actually, what we have been rescued from and rescued into is the call of God to participate with him in seeing his eternal purpose and plan fulfilled in history and in creation to bring all things under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not a small thing. It's not a small thing. It's huge. It's really important that we don't lose sight of this bigger picture. It's really important we don't lose sight of the big purpose and the big plan. It's really important we don't lose sight of this central role that the church fulfills in God's eternal plan for the whole earth. It's really important that we as members of this local church don't lose sight of the fact that we're part of something so much bigger. It's really important to not lose sight of the fact that every single one of us, if we follow Christ, have a part to play in the overarching purposes of God. Otherwise, what we're about, what we're doing, why we're gathering, we'll just we'll kind of lose sight of the bigger picture. It would be like trying to think of an illustration, and no illustration is adequate, really, but I'll go with this one. It's like having a cruise liner. Now, there's massive cruise liners. Some of you have been on cruises, I'm sure. It's like having a cruise liner docked up in the harbor with teams in the cruise liner getting all the bedrooms ready and engineers in the engine room and the chefs in the kitchen doing all the food, getting it all ready, but the cruise liner never leaving the harbor. The whole point of the cruise liner is that it goes on a voyage. All those teams working and serving in the cruise liner are to get it ready for the voyage, for the journey that it's on. But if the cruise liner doesn't ever go on that journey, then what's the point of it? That's what it exists for. And similarly, if we lose sight of the bigger purpose of the church on the earth today, to bring everything in heaven or earth, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and that all nations may rejoice and say, he is Lord. If we lose sight of that, it's like a cruise liner in the harbor. We may be busy getting it already, but we've lost the forward thrust and momentum of what it's actually all about. So I'm going to take just a few minutes this morning to look at the big picture story of the Bible. If you have a Bible or have an app, please open it up with me. Um, I want to just take us on a journey from the first book of the Bible to the last. Don't worry, it's not going to be that long. I want us to hear God's heart and his purpose for the whole earth. Starting on the very first page of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. We've read that God has made all things. He made light and darkness, day and night, sea and land, animals and vegetation, sun and moon, stars have been flung into space. Then the high point of his creation, humanity. And we read in Genesis 1 that God created mankind, verse 27, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So here we get a glimpse into God's eternal plan for the whole earth. On the very first page of the Bible, God will bless a family. Through one man and one woman, Adam and Eve, he blessed them and he called them to multiply and fill the earth, to have dominion over it, to rule and reign with him in the earth. 
So the plan was that this planet that we inhabit would be filled with people who are made in the image of God, living in perfect relationship with God and each other, representing him as his image bearers in every corner of the globe. I know globes don't have corners, but just work with me on that. (laughs) This was the vision. The earth would be filled with the glory of God through this family that would be blessed, who would multiply and fill the earth. But we know what happened. The first man and woman chose to do the very thing that God had asked them not to do, causing chaos in creation and carnage in their relationship with each other and with God. And all of creation was impacted because sin had entered the world. Everything was impacted. So a few chapters later, turn with me, Genesis 9. We see that God has identified another family, Noah and his wife and his sons. Through Noah, there'd be a new start. A flood would come. A really big boat would be built. But God would bless this family. And the same instruction to Adam and Eve, we now see repeated to Noah and his family, Genesis 9 verse 1, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Here's another family, blessed by God, with the same call and commission to increase, to multiply, to fill the earth, his righteousness being displayed through his people on the earth. But as the story goes on, we find again the human race felt that they knew best. They didn't need to know God. In fact, they didn't need to glorify God. They said to themselves, why don't we glorify ourselves? Let's build a big old tower that builds a name for ourselves. We're not going to scatter around the earth. They disobeyed God. They chose not to fulfill the purpose that God had called them to. So God calls another family. Genesis 12, if you have your Bible, verse 2 and 3. He called Abraham and Sarah, and he said to them, Abraham was 75 years old at this point, and they had no children, but he said to them, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God promises Abraham that his family would grow to become a nation in their own right, but through them, all peoples on the earth would be blessed. It's the same thing again. God is looking for a people who know him, who worship him, who will fill the earth and be a blessing to all nations. And the Old Testament tells us the story of this family in all of their good moments and in their many bad moments. Abraham had a son, Isaac, who had two sons, one of which was Jacob, who had 12 sons, one of which was Joseph. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. And this family had a call on their life. They were God's people. A family to represent him on the earth. A family to be a blessing to all nations. But time and again, we see that they missed it. They forgot who they were. They forgot who they were called to be. So prophets would rise up. We read about all these prophets in the Old Testament. Prophets with names difficult to announce. And we see that God starts speaking to the nation. And he says things like this, Isaiah 49, verse 6, if you want to keep tracking with me in your Bibles. Isaiah 49, (coughs) verse 6. Says to them, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept. I'll also make you a light for the Gentiles. Gentiles meaning all other people groups outside of this family. 
that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. God says to them, it's too small a thing to think this is all about you. About just restoring what you have and keeping what you have. No, no, I will make you a light to the nations. Salvation to the ends of the earth. Don't make this a small thing. He reminds them, it's too small a vision to simply operate in maintenance mode. And of course, we know this promise, this purpose would ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus. The Old Testament prophet Daniel, he had a vision of one who was like the son of man. Daniel says that this vision that he had of this one that would come, he was given authority and glory. This is Daniel 7 verse 13. And sovereign power and all peoples and all nations and men of every language worshipped him. And this dominion is never lasting dominion and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus is the one who would come, the son of man to whom all people, all nations, all people of every language would worship And so then that is fulfilled. Jesus comes, full of grace and truth. Jesus who lived amongst us and taught us with authority about the kingdom of God, who had compassion on people, who healed the sick, who was tried and crucified and gloriously rose again into new life, ushering in a new beginning, a new creation. And what does he ask his followers to do? Matthew 28, verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations. You see, this instruction, I hope you see the track that we're going on this morning, this instruction to go to all nations wasn't something new, that, like a new idea Jesus had. This had always been the plan. The plan had always been that the earth would be filled with people in every nation who fear the Lord. The plan was always that humanity would, quoting those verses I read at the beginning, sing to the Lord all the earth. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds amongst all people. So what we then read in the New Testament is that Jesus' first followers said, okay, we will. They went about fulfilling this call, making disciples, planting churches, a new family now emerging on the earth called Jesus' church. Co-heirs with Jesus, sons and daughters adopted into the household of God. A new family emerges in Christ to be a blessing to the nations. And William introduced us last week to these two churches in Jerusalem and Antioch who took this call seriously to go to the ends of the earth. And so we read then in the rest of the kind of New Testament about these teams with people like Paul that would travel and they would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and they'd establish a church and they'd lay down doctrinal foundations in that church and they'd raise up leaders and then they would go off and do it somewhere else in order that the gospel of Jesus Christ be made known to the ends of the earth. And that is what has happened repeatedly now since the time of Paul. People have said, yes, we'll go. Yes, we'll go. Yes, we'll go. It may be, yes, I'm going to go to my workplace because there's people there that don't know Christ. Yes, I'm going to go to my neighborhood. Or maybe, yes, I'm going to go and plant a church. Bill and Judith are here. Their son, Peter, and his wife, Sarah, have gone to Berlin to plant a church. Why? Because there's this imperative in the big picture story of the Bible that we go to all nations for the glory of God. People have done it locally. People have done it around the world. People that we know about, the Hudson Taylors, the Wesleys, people that we don't know about, but their name is written and they're going to get a big old crown when they get to heaven. 
And it can be easy to think that this job is complete, surely. We've got loads of churches around us. Do you know that there are still three billion people on the planet that have never heard the gospel? 7,000 people groups. Three billion, just try and imagine that, who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. 95% of the unreached people groups of the world are in North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. It's not a time to think, well, surely that's done, that great commission to go to all nations, we fulfilled that. No, three billion on the planet have never heard the name of Jesus or the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this last week, Dominique and I have just been with the most amazing men and women who are all part of this global New Frontiers family that we're part of. All these nations, Graham Bridgman just came and told me that when he joined this church in 1985, there were 70 nations in New Frontiers, um, 70 churches in New Frontiers. I think that's right, Graham. There's now thousands. We don't know how many. <laughs> Extraordinary. I met all these men and women who are part of this global family who have given their lives to go or to stay but to reach nations for Christ. Some at huge cost, huge sacrifice, huge danger. But they're doing so because they long to declare God's glory among the nations. And guys, this is what we're part of. Our church, we're part of this global thing. How does the Bible story end? Well, many of you will know where I'm going next, but let's turn to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 10, where John, one of Jesus' followers, has a vision of heaven. And in Revelation 7, what he saw was this, verse 9 to 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. <laughs> so one day, there will be a number, a crowd that no one can count, no computer can count. <laughs> and this crowd will be from every nation, every language, every people group, and they will be united together, singing one song together around the throne of Jesus. Oh, for a world where nations are united. It's the vision of heaven. This is the eternal vision. This is what will happen. And the unity is not because of political resolution or, or diplomacy or violence or peace. The unity is because of Jesus Christ. And with one voice, but with multiple languages, they will declare praise to the God of the nations. On Thursday night, we were um, at this event, and there was lots of time for prayer and um, worship. And um, there was this moment where people from many nations came and prayed in their mother tongue, in their mother language. And not through uh, in English or through translation, they just prayed in their own language from the microphone, and I tried to keep up with the languages that I heard. Not that I can recognize them, by the way. They just said what they were, so I'm not that clever. But these are some of the languages that were spoken. Ukrainian, Swedish, 
Kurdish, Dutch, Chinese, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, Swahili, Malayalam, Armenian, Polish, Arabic, Farsi, Shona, German, Spanish. It just went on and on and on. People praising God in their language. And it was just this unity, this diversity, but this unity and this worship. And I'm like thinking, I think this might be the closest to Revelation chapter 7 that I've experienced on earth, where people from every nation, tribe, and tongue are gathered around the throne saying salvation belongs to the God and to the Lamb. It was just this most awesome moment. Guys, this is the big picture. This is God's eternal purpose and plan. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as sure as the waters cover the sea. It's what the Bible says. The Bible story starts on the first page with a call for God's people to fill the earth, to be his image bearers, to multiply. It finishes with this picture of every tribe, nation, tongue, and language gathered around the throne of Jesus saying, salvation and glory and honor and praise be to our King of Kings. That is what we're part of. And it's been accomplished in our time through Christ and his church, which means, hey, we all get to be a part of this. Um, Back in the summer, Harry Lunt preached here. I think young Harry is here today. I thought I saw you, Harry. You get a little round of applause. Harry said something really important um, when he preached in the summer. He said that we often spend our lives trying to work out what God's plan is for my life. God has a plan for your life, we say. And sure, that can be encouraging, but actually sometimes that can be unhelpful because we spend our whole time trying to work out, am I in God's plan for my life, and what is it, and am I in the wrong plan, and has he revealed it to me, and everything else. And he said, actually, the, the more accurate way of saying it is that God has a plan, and your life fits into it. It's really important. Otherwise, it becomes about me, right? God, what's, what's me, my life all about? No, no. What is God doing on the earth through Christ and his church? He has a plan. Will we fit into that? And he invites us, when we say yes to Jesus, he invites us to be adopted into his household, to be forgiven, but to step into this eternal purpose for the earth. It's not a small thing. Let's never make it a small thing. Such an important question. Not what is God's plan for my life, but what is God doing on the earth through Christ and his church, and how can I get involved in seeing this kingdom come in every increasing measure so that all things come to unity in Christ? So we're part of New Ground. That's part of the wider New Frontiers family. I get to serve on New Ground. I get to serve churches. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the church in Seaford. I'm going to tell a bit more of their story, what they're going for in a little while. But on the core team of New Ground, we carry a vision to help local churches like ours be caught up in an apostolic global kingdom mission. Like William said last week, to have a vision that looks beyond. So I'd really encourage you, Tim mentioned the New Ground Leaders Conference. I know sometimes when there's like notices and stuff, we can think, oh, I'm not, we can dial out a little bit. Can I encourage you, we have, in a few weeks' time here, we have the privilege of hosting pastors from around the world. 
I've got friends coming from Brazil and South Africa, churches that I've visited, that I've been and, and just learned a lot, and hopefully it was an encouragement to them as well. They're coming. Pastors from Portugal are coming, from Holland, the Netherlands, from France. They're going to be in our building in four weeks' time. And you may want to say, yeah, I'm going to go, I want to be there. Why would I not want to be in that environment? This is the gold. They're all nations gathered together in Christ. You may say, oh, I can't do the whole thing. Well, come and serve for a session. Be part of it. Let me encourage you. Don't miss that moment. I'm saying that because next year they're moving to Eastbourne. So this is the last year where it's really, really going to be easy to attend. We need a bigger venue for this conference because it's, it's growing. Don't miss out on the moment to be in that kind of environment. We're part of something international, truly international. I want to encourage us to be in part of it. Next week, I'm going to preach like part two of this message, okay? This is like part one. Come back next week, please, for part two. I'm going to talk about, well, how does this happen practically? How do we get caught up in this mission? But I want us to respond together. And do you know what I want us to simply do? Worship the Lamb on the throne. This is the, this is the end destination, right? Worship. Psalm 67 says this, let the peoples praise you. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why don't we stand to our feet a moment? We are going to worship, but as we do so, I just want to provoke some people here today. I felt as I was preparing for this morning's message that there would be people here who have historically carried a heart or a passion for other nations. And for whatever reason, for life and business and, and other stuff, that kind of passion has waned a little bit. And maybe even at one point you felt you might go short term, long term, You might go serve in that place. I feel God is wanting to reignite something in hearts today. I think some of you will know, some of you have planted churches before and you felt this is what we're about, I'm about. But busyness has come and life has come and a pandemic's come and loads of other stuff has come. You've lost a little bit of that sense of, no, no, I feel like God's, call me to help pioneer new things. The fruitfulness of our church is not going to be measured by how many we sit on a Sunday. It's going to be measured by how many we send. Now I feel as we worship, God may speak to you afresh about things you've carried in your heart for a long time but may have faded. So let's pray. Father, We want to be the peoples that praise you, O Lord. And nations to be glad and sing for joy. What a joy it is to be here in this place together to declare salvation belongs to our God. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. None other. You're the hope for our lives. You're the hope for nations. You're the hope for conflicts. All things will be united under your name, Lord Jesus. 
And so we come to exalt you this morning. We come to lift your name up. And as we do that, Lord God, will you come to us? Speak to us. Meet with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.